Um, a couple of announcements that uh, I would like to make as we begin. Um, if you have friends or family that would uh, like to see this sermon or hear it, it is available on, um, what is it? I forget, wimberassembly.org. Yes, it's on wimberassembly.org, and you will come to our website, and all of the sermons in the last years are on there, so we invite you to look there. But also a couple of other things, TBN uh, has been broadcasting for over, it was yesterday, Saturday, and today, they are broadcasting the um, sight and sound production of Jesus in Lancaster, and you have to go to the app for TBN to pick that up, and uh, so it's well worth it, and also there was the, the um, program with I'm, yeah, Chris Tomlin and uh, Max Lucado, and uh, they were uh, on television and uh, on this TBN. So those are two worthwhile um, television programs to be uh, looking at. And uh, I know that many of you maybe feel uh, a little claustrophobic at this time. <laughs> so I was telling, telling uh, Terry, I said, you know, they're doing seismographic tests around our house. And uh, he, he said, well, why? He said, well, there's been some people running into the walls. So <laughs> I, I don't say it was me, but uh, uh, it was near our home. You know, and the, um, in the song, Up From the Grave He Arose, I, was th- I, I can never uh, hear that song without sing- thinking of this little boy who asked his mother after church and said, Mom, what was Jesus doing in the gravy? <laughs> Up in the gravy he rose, uh, he lay. So, you know, so it's, you know, it's something how the children uh, see and view Easter, and especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, I think it's kind of, um, you know, if you ask your children or ask a little child, well, what's Easter about? And they'll say candy. <laughs> and they'll say, you know, how do you come up with a rabbit who lays eggs? You know, it just doesn't seem to go together, you know? And of course, there's candy and there's baskets and there's all those traditions and of course they have their place. But there, there is also the very important place that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that he was crucified Good Friday and he was laid in the tomb and that he rose from the dead uh, on this first Easter morning, Easter Sunday that we celebrate So the title of my message is, Sunday Has Arrived. There was an individual that spoke years ago, and his title of his sermon was, It's Friday, but Sunday is Coming. (laughs) And um, I will not venture to... Uh, speak on his, you know, he had, it was a one, it was one, a, a fantastic sermon. So um, uh, I wasn't going to try and look that up and try and copy it because I would not be able to do it justice. But I was thinking in the context that Sunday has arrived. And whenever we're looking at our life and we are going through the difficulties, we're waiting for the arrival of the time in which this virus is, we can say it's behind us. But we're in the process, we're in the Saturday, as it were, of this, of this uh, virus. Friday is the, the day in which the Christ was crucified, and Saturday was a day in which seemingly nothing was going on. 
you know, and in our life, we're, we're sometimes in that place that we call a Saturday, a Saturday where it seems that nothing is going on, nothing is going right, you know, we're, we're grieving and trying to adjust to what has happened the day before, we're trying to adjust to this virus and its limitations that it places on our life, and we have these challenges, but I want us to know that through faith in Jesus Christ and in our prayers that God will direct our nation and God will direct our doctors and scientists and our healthcare workers and our first responders, that God will direct them in such a way that Sunday is coming. And we'll be able to say at the end of this, Sunday has arrived. We've arrived at the end of it. But we're not there yet, but we're on our way. And our message today is found in Luke's gospel. And Luke is a doctor. He is a physician. And um, whenever we read the Christmas story, we, we read it from the Gospel of Luke because he is this detailed person. He's a doctor. You could say he was the attending physician, but he wasn't there. But he writes about it as if he were the attending physician and taking notes uh, on the birth of Jesus. But whenever we come to the death of Christ, he is also there. And Luke is a doctor. He's a scientist. But as a Greek, he's a detailed person. You know, so he, he has a lot of details in his, in his messages and the details in what he, how he is looking at things and how the Spirit has inspired him in his life to look at the situations that are before him. And, you know, whenever we're thinking of the virus, when we're thinking of the difficulties that we are encountering, you know, all of us have a different perspective. All of us have different ways of looking at things. And... As we are going to see in Luke's gospel, he has a way of looking and presenting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I, I want to challenge us as we look at our present situation, as we look at our life and we look at the things that are happening in our world. We need to have faith in God and we need to have faith uh, that God will help us and help our fellow man and help our leaders and our, again, our doctors and scientists and all those who are caring. We pray that God will guide them in the finding of a cure for this. But, and, and so in this whole process, we do not, excuse me, we do not allow fear to uh, come upon us. We do not allow ourselves to be encapsulated with fear. We have ourselves surrounded by faith, knowing that we need to take our precautions, but we also need to believe. And so as Luke here is presenting the message, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 1, very early Sunday morning. Now, you would, okay, very early Sunday morning, the first day of the week. You want to know why uh, the church celebrates um, Sunday as a day to go to church, as a day to, uh, of worship? Because every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The early church... Uh, they, they were primarily, they were all Jewish, and so they would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath on Saturday, but then as Christians, they would, they would gather together on Sunday. It was, all, it was a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, and it was a celebration of their faith in Jesus Christ. So very early Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb where Jesus' body was laid. They brought the sweet-smelling spices they had prepared. Now, it was important for them to, the, the ladies, to follow through with the Jewish customs. And the customs of burial were very important, that the body need to be, needed to be tended 
to in a very specific way. And because Jesus was laid in the tomb late Friday, they were not allowed to be there after dark, after sunset. And so they were there and they uh, tried to get things hurriedly together, but they had to leave. And so the tomb was sealed with the great stone and, of course, the Romans they, they came in and put their seal on it and put the guard in front of it to make sure no one disturbed that, that tomb. And so they were coming with their spices to um, apply to the body and, and properly prepare Jesus for his burial. They saw the heavy stone that covered the entrance had been rolled away. So, you know, you don't... Uh, uh, I wonder, you wonder sometimes, well, well, why didn't they bring a few guys along? <laughs> you know, they weren't thinking of the great stone, or perhaps when they left, the stone was not rolled in front of the grave. Not really sure, but they arrived there, and the stone has been rolled back. So evidently, it had been in place, uh, and they knew it had been in place, and the roll, it had been rolled away, verse 3. They went in. But they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. One of the things that's important as we look through the scriptures, you know, some people don't believe in the resurrection. Some people think it is a hoax or it's a conspiracy or all those, you know, those types of things. But if you look at the Gospels and you look at the accounts, and it's written about, it's written in other documents that are not can, um, included in the sacred text. It's written in the, in the Jewish historians. It's written in the, in the time frame about Jesus and about his teachings and about the, the uh, fallacies that they wrote down or about the concept of his being resurrected. Well, if you look at the, the ladies, they are, looking, they are not looking for a resurrection. They're looking for a dead body. <laughs> They're looking for Jesus but as a crucified person in, in his parts of his grave clothes, and they're looking to prepare his body for a final entombment, internment, excuse me. And so they did not understand this, verse 4. They did not understand this, and while they were wondering about it, two men in shining clothes stood beside them. They were very much afraid. Now, it's early in the morning. It's just after daybreak, and they are in this tomb, and, you know, for them, it's a, a, at this point, it's a scary place because things have happened that they were not prepared for, and they enter this tomb, and they were very much afraid, and they, they were doing this much like we would uh, maybe perhaps go to a, a funeral service and bring cards or send flowers and things like that. It's, you know, our custom to do these things. And so it was their custom to go to prepare the body. But as they are there in this tomb, two men in shining clothes stood beside them. That in itself would be frightening. And they're, they're, they're inside a grave. And, and you know, it's cut out of, out of the side of a mountain. If you see uh, the um, grave sides, uh, grave, graves of the people in Israel at that time period, they would 
the, the rich would have themselves dug out uh, uh, in the side of a mountain, side of a hill, and they would dig out this um, enclosure, this room, and they would have a stone table there that would be the place where they would lie. And sometimes uh, people would dig these tombs out so that multiple family members could lie in this same tomb. But this was a new tomb. It was specifically uh, hewed out for a person. And so that person gave that tomb to Jesus and said, we can lay his body there. And so they were in a specific place in a room that has been cut out of the side of the, uh, of the hill. And they are in there and these two angels appear before them. And they bow down their faces to the ground. So they were very much aware that this is not a usual thing. And the men said to them, why are you looking for the living person? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? <laughs> so, it begins. The inclination, the understanding that Jesus isn't here. He's risen, but yet it hasn't, hasn't sunk in for, for the ladies because the angel says you're looking for the living among the dead. Well, they couldn't understand this because how could Jesus be alive? You know, when individuals search for God, when individuals search for God, they look for, they don't look for the living God. They look for some historical figure that might have been here or in the Star Wars um, category, the force of the universe, the goodness of the universe. And I, I think sometimes of how that people relate to God as being something good. We'll send our good wishes to you. That somehow there is this good that we have, that we can propel to other people, you know, project to them across time and space. Well, I know that thinking good and wanting good to happen to other people is good for us, and, uh, but our prayers are not good intentions, and they are, they are prayers that are heard by a living God, and we don't seek for a living God in a dead historical place as if he was confined to that time period, as if studying a uh, a president or Abraham Lincoln or someone like that. We look for him among the records of his time, but we don't look for him walking, you know, coming back to life and, and walking the streets of Washington. You know, we, we don't think of him coming in that way. And so Jesus isn't one of these individuals. He is the Son of God. He is declared in Luke to be the Son of Man, fully God, fully man, and that he came as a sacrifice for our sins, and so that the death of Jesus Christ was a very purposeful act of, of God. It was a very purposeful act of Jesus Christ. That, if you think of it in a context, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. That Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And a few weeks ago, we spoke about how that before the beginning began, Jesus is. <laughs> All right? You know, that Jesus didn't have a beginning. He is the eternal word. And in that eternal word, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So in that eternal word before creation, 
Before anything was created, the word existed and the word did not change. When creation was, was made and Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that there was a shedding, they walked out of the garden in animal skins that God had provided a sacrifice for them. And in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was a covering for their sin. But in Jesus Christ, there is the washing away of our sin. That he cleanses us. He cleanses us from all our sin. All the things that we've done wrong in our life. It doesn't look at, God doesn't look, well, that's a bad sin there. Or that's, well, that's not too bad. Why, that's not too bad of a sin. No, it's all sin. We ask God for forgiveness. And, and think of it this way. How can we let go of our past in such a way that it heals us and heals our relationships? By forgiveness. God has forgiven us, and the, and the death of Jesus Christ is about our being forgiven, that his blood was shed upon the cross. So Jesus was not just a sacrifice that happened to come along because his, plan, his original plan failed. I, always like, I don't like to hear those theories. It's like, how can you even imagine such a thing? That his plans failed. You know, his plans failed, so he ended up dying. It's, you know, talk about ludicrous. If you know the scriptures, if we know what the Old Testament and the writings of the, of the Bible talk about, and how that there were over, I think there's over 351 references in the Old Testament, what we consider the Old Testament, that 351 references to Jesus Christ himself, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And as we look at all of those, they are an outline for Jesus coming. You see, he didn't just, he didn't just come on the scene like 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born. Okay? No. He was prophesied. It was spoken of by the prophets and, and the anticipation. And there was reference after reference after reference after reference that Jesus came to fulfill. Even his death his betrayal by Judas, his mockers and his being beaten, his being hung on the cross and that he didn't have a broken bone, but they would pierce his side. All of these things, the, it was as if the Romans were writing a script or following a script, but they weren't. The script had already been written. Man were just fulfilling it in their actions, their hatred of Jesus. The truth is, we are looking for a living person. When we search for God, we're looking for a living person, not just a power somewhere out there in the universe. He is a living person. He is alive forevermore, risen from the dead, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> he loves us so much that he couldn't bear to spend an eternity without us, without you. And that's the reason for the resurrection. Because he lives, we shall live also. It is the guarantee. He is the first fruits of them that slept. He, he is the, the guarantor of what is yet to come. He guarantees it. Because I live, you will live. The angels told the women, Jesus is not here. He has risen from the dead. Do you remember what he said in Galilee? And, uh, you know, and what he said in Galilee is in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. 
And Jesus said to them, The Son of Man must suffer many things. This is early on in his ministry. He will be rejected by the older Jewish leaders, the leading priests and teachers of the law, and he will be killed. But after three days, he will be raised from the dead. He told them what was happening. It wasn't just what would happen. It wasn't just something that fell apart and he ended up dying. And uh, so the, the crucifixion is not a crutch. It's not a safeguard. Or because there was a failure. The word is eternal. He cannot change. He loves us. He became that sacrifice. He spoke of it. And the angel recited what I just read. The Son of Man must be handed over to the controller of sinful men and be killed on the cross and rise from the dead the third day. Then the women remembered what Jesus had said. This is where I look at our own life and perhaps yours. That we begin to remember the things of our faith. The things that are important to us. The things that God perhaps spoke to you as a child. Or thoughts that came to you as a child about God and we never understood them. But we begin in our searching now to find that God is stirring our hearts or, or stirring our lives because we have a virus. We have a virus that's causing us to think about life and death. And we're <laughs> enclosed in a, in, in a um, self, uh, what is it, we're, we're, we're cutting ourselves off from other people. When we are quarantined. And we're in this quarantined area, and we have a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> I might add, it's not the time to go through your husband or wife's list of things that you know are wrong with them and correct them. Just don't go there, okay? If you've been going there, things have not been pleasant. So don't go there, all right? So we don't need to correct or, or complete our, our uh, husband or wife or our kids, <laughs> you know? We're going to make them listen if it's the last thing we do. Yeah. The one lady said, I find it hard to stay six feet away from the refrigerator. <laughs> so here we are in our life being quarantined, but not from food. And I, I put on my suit today. This is, a, this is a brand new suit. Never wore it before. Thought I'd wear it before to put me in a casket with it. But anyhow, it's a brand new suit, and I got it. Uh, my son-in-law, Rich, uh, purchased it for us, for me, you know, and uh, I never got a chance to wear it. So, and so this is it. It's Easter. So if you wonder why I'm all dressed up, uh, Rich, thank you very much. He's watching. So um, thank you very much. The suit. I, he was. He's watching because I told him I'd wear the suit. You know. <laughs> there was one. One of my. One of my. Our former um, children growing up in the church, Brian. He, he, you know, whenever, a few months ago, he, he came to be watching the sermons. And he said, I've been watching them all day. And I said, my, you must be sick. <laughs> but no, he had, he's come back to uh, his faith and understanding. And in our life, we, need, we come to these places where we, we find a revelation. And, and the revelation is not the light shining out of the heaven. The, rev the revelation is a, an aha moment. It's like, oh, that's what this means. 
So the women remembered what Jesus had said. It was their aha moment. Oh, yes, he did say that. The women left the tomb and went to the 11 apostles and the other followers and told them everything that happened to them in the tomb. Well, you'd think, well, surely now they've seen the angel. The angels told them they go tell the other disciples. Everybody's going to (laughs) believe. Verse 11. But the apostles did not believe. They didn't believe what these ladies said. It sounded like nonsense. To them, it was an idle tale. And you, you have to understand that it was not a believable message because it came from a group of ladies. Now, I'm not being, don't you hold your, hold your, hold your applause, <laughs> the tomatoes from the TV. Hold them because in that time frame, a, a woman had no status, had no position in her society. The Romans and the Jewish society, that a woman's testimony in court, there was none because they had no, they had no rights. But you would think that these followers, and they've, they've talked about the resurrection, and they've talked about the angels, and surely they would believe. Well, it caused Peter, verse 12, he got up and he ran to the tomb to see. He looked in, but he saw only the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. It was just lying there. Peter went away to be alone, wondering what had happened. Now, one of the things that, that is a challenge here in this verse, he saw the, the, the garments lying there. And sometimes there was this grave robbers came and stole the body. Well, grave robbers would not <laughs> neatly take the uh, wrappings off of a body. They would, they were th- but you see, they were lying there in place. Uh, and I would like to believe the Shroud of Turin is authentic. You know, that that would be kind of exactly what happened, that the body of Jesus came right out of it. So the, the shroud would have been lying there, wrapped around the body of Jesus, and when he rose from the dead, he would have just came through it. Now, I can't say that it's real or it's not real, but that's kind of the idea that Peter, when he would have walked into, into the, the tomb and he would have saw, everything would have been lying there in its own place. You know, he rose from the dead. The same day, two of Jesus' followers. Now, this is after this. Peter's gone away. Well, the same day, two uh, Jesus' followers were going to the town named Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. They were talking about everything that had happened. Well, one of the things here is, and I need to hurry, the two were missing some of the greatest events in history because they were walking away from where it took place. They were walking away from their support group. They were walking away from the people who were like them because they just couldn't figure out what was going on. While they were talking and discussing these things, Jesus himself came near and walked with him. So while we are going through this (laughs) pandemic, who are we listening to? What are we focusing on? You know, you need to turn the TV off. (laughs) You need to turn the news channels off because we need to listen to them, but in one sense, but enough is enough. (laughs) 
And they, most of them fill us with fear and confusion. And we need to just allow ourselves to walk away. And Jesus himself came near to them and walked with them. So one of the things for us to remember is that Jesus is walking with us as we are going through this pandemic. And the two that was going along here, the scripture says in verse 16, that they were not allowed or they were not able to recognize that it was Jesus. Now, we've got to understand that Jesus had been crucified, but he wasn't just crucified, he was beaten with whips. And one version in, in, it talks about, in Isaiah, talks about his back was as a plowed field that his face, he was buffeted. It means they punched him severely. That they ripped out his beard in clumps with his, their fists and their, their hands. They beat this crown of thorns down on his head with palm branches. So what they, the last figure they saw of Jesus was this horrible impression. And now they see this man walking with them. They don't catch the resemblance of Jesus before the crisis, before the death and the crucifixion. That's not what image is in their mind. And I know some who have had loved ones die and being in uh, the emergency rooms or, or wherever and you have this last image. Well, it, that, having that last image all the time before us doesn't help us to see the life that was and the life that is. And so these individuals were not able to, to see Jesus being there with him. And Jesus asked them, what's this? I hear you discussing with each other as you walk. As if Jesus doesn't know. You know sometimes we don't pray because, we, well, God already knows. Why do I need to pray? Well, <clears throat> Jesus wants them to tell him. So the two men stopped, their faces very sad, the one named Cleopas said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has just happened. Jesus said, what are you talking about? The one to whom it happened is the one asking the question. And sometimes when we say that we don't believe in Jesus, Jesus is the one who's asking us the question, what is it that you don't believe about me? What is it that causes you to somehow not see me here with you. And they said, it's, it's about Jesus, verse 19. It's about Jesus, the one from Nazareth, to God and all the people, that he was a great prophet. <laughs> he was mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. He did many powerful things. But our leaders and the leading priests handed him over to be judged and killed. They nailed him to a cross. And we were hoping he would be the one to save Israel. When God asks us, what is it that you are looking for? Most of the time, our, our difficulties in believing that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead is we were hoping that God would do something that he didn't do in our life, so therefore he doesn't exist. We were hoping. You see, these individuals walking on the road to Emmaus we're hoping that Jesus would free them from, free Israel from the Romans. Sometimes what we are hoping for gets in the way of what God wants to do because he's come to fulfill his will, not ours. So 
verse 21, and we were hoping that he would free Israel, and now something else has happened. It's been three days since he was placed in the tomb and these women come back and have this, this story about him being risen from the dead. <laughs> Some of our group, verse 22, went to the, 24, went to the tomb. It was just as the women said, they saw the tomb, but they did not see Jesus. Je verse 25, Jesus said to the two men, you are foolish and slow to realize what is true. And I think, is that us? That we're slow to realize what is true? I think we're more like the disciples than we imagine. We want God to come our way. We were hoping for things to be a certain way. We want him to change the world around us so that we are more comfortable. <laughs> you should believe everything the prophets said. Then we'll skip on to um, verse 28. And they came near the town of Emmaus, and the two acted as if they were going to go on. And, I mean, excuse me, the two invited Jesus to come in, but he acted as if he were going to go on. And Jesus decided to spend the night or to, to stay with them. And so he goes in, and they still don't recognize him, but Jesus is, is there, and they are preparing the meal, getting some food ready, and Jesus sits, at, at the, as it were, at the table, and that he breaks the bread, and he asks the blessing upon it, and when he does that, their eyes were open. And, was, and it says that while he was doing this, while he was giving us the bread, our eyes saw. Now, sometimes in our inability to see we are allowing what we supposed to come before us and who Jesus is and so when they saw perhaps his hands when they saw perhaps the indentations of the scars in his forehead they began it was at that moment or maybe it was in the words in the way that he spoke and blessed that their eyes were open and they saw that everything changed well we find that as Jesus is with us every moment of every day we can never be someplace that jesus is not he is there with us and as he walks with us he challenges us all the time to see him for who he is not for who we suppose him to be you see he is alive he is a living savior he is touched by the feelings of our own pain and our own sorrow he is aware of where we are at in our life and he has designed us to be the person to live this life that we are living. And so, Easter. Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But also Easter is a celebration for us. Because he lives, we shall live also. And when the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of everything that we believe. Everything written about Jesus, he tells his disciples and those who are following him, because after this meal with the revelation to these two individuals and they run back to Jerusalem, 
Jesus appears to his disciples and appears to his followers in that room. And it's like he tells him, come, touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my side. It's me. And that was the realization that they knew that he had been risen from the dead. And so Easter is about us, our faith, our belief in our future, and our belief that God is going to lead us from where we are to where we need to be. And so we celebrate. We celebrate Easter because Jesus is alive. He ever lives to intercede for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And he is our best friend. So with the triumph of God, with the trump of God, <laughs> the trump of God shall sound. We which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So as we celebrate Easter, let it be more than just a basket and some eggs and a rabbit <laughs> and some gifts. We celebrate Easter because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he lives, we shall live also. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. We thank you, O God, as we come to you, we confess our sin. We ask you to forgive us of our sins, to live within our heart. Wash us clean, O God, from the stain of sin. That was your purpose of death on the cross. And your purpose in resurrection, O God, is that we will live forever with you. And that, God, in this life, we have life in you. We have life eternal. So bless this day and bless our families and bless us in a way that our hearts will be stirred and our mind will be open to the understanding of Jesus Christ, that he is with us and he is here to comfort, to guide, and to restore us. We thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you and happy Easter. Mm-hmm. <laughs>